The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hello, Child-Free Family and Friends. Cody here. Welcome to Child-Free Family's presentation, Let's Talk Money. This is episode five on tax planning, something everybody is going to be real excited to talk about. Uh, I am Cody Hetzel, the founder of Child-Free Family, co-founder of the uh, Child-Free Convention. Nice uh, vintage throwback. It's vintage now because 2022 is coming out. And all-around participant in all discussions surrounding the Child-Free lifestyle. I'll be joined today by... Dr. J. Hey, Dr. J. Uh, he and his wife are child-free. He has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut and is a certified financial planner. A key thing to note about Dr. J is he is a fiduciary, which means he must put the needs and interests of his client ahead of his own. On top of that, he is an advice-only, fee-only certified financial planner. In other words, he is paid for his time by his client. He doesn't receive any kind of commissions, incentives, feedbacks, including doing this with me, uh, from selling products or recommendations. So uh, a client pays him for his time and advice, and he helps them navigate the financial world that they currently live in. So welcome, Dr. J. How are you? Good. So, Cody, we're talking taxes today. So, my yeah. wife and I have two dogs and a cat. Is that three deductions, or because they're mastiffs, do I get it per pound? Do I get extra deductions? Or I've seen a, a form going around as a joke in a lot of the child-free groups where they actually have like a, a pet, uh, a way to write off your pets. Is some they, they came up with a whole different form for it, and it'll be interesting to see if someone takes that serious and uh, submits it to the IRS to see if they can get a tax write-off on their pets. But um, I don't think there's a way to do that just yet. No. <laughs> Uh, but before we begin, let's get this out of the way. We've got our fun disclaimer. Uh, the following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. We're just two guys here to have fun talking about taxes today. <laughs> and, and when we add to the disclaimer, find a tax professional because we talked. There we go. You know, if, if you, you know, this is just. Getting to know the IRS system, which I'm sure everybody's excited about. Yeah. I can hear them snoring from here, Cody. <laughs> I think I'm the only person excited to talk about taxes just because it's something that it's, it's, it's you can't avoid it um, and you've got to pay it. But it's like, are, you know, are there ways to make sure that you don't, you know, fall in a trap or a pit hole or, or make a mistake and end up owing a heck of a lot more than maybe you would have if you did something different? I'm excited to know and find out. And I think some folks in the audience, they might as well. We'll find out. Um, so anyway, uh, first, we'll, we'll just dive right in here. We've got uh, income taxes and self-employment. Um, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of it, I, I thought one thing that's interesting is uh, kind of what the tax rates are here. And we're speaking generally about uh, the USA because that's what Jay and I kind of know because that's where we live. Um, but it's fun to see what other countries um, have for their tax system. And one of those things that you see every year comes out is the, the happiest countries 
in the world. And I, I pulled up that list and I wanted to see, well, what are their tax rates? Like, what do they pay for uh, income tax and what do they pay for sales tax? And so uh, these numbers, um, let me see, they came from worldpopulationreview.com and also uh, tradingeconomics.com. So that's where these numbers came from. So what I found is we're going to have the happiest countries. And next to that is going to be the average uh, personal income tax, which I think is actually going to be the highest personal income tax number that we're going to see. And then there's sales tax, what they pay in sales tax as well. So according to these folks, the happiest country in the world, Finland. Congratulations, Finland. You're super happy. I can tell already. If you are from Finland or one of these countries or another country, let us know uh, if, if any of this rings true. But their, uh, I guess their highest tax rate is 56% plus. That's a lot. Their sales tax is 24%. To me, that sounds like a lot. But I mean, they're happy. Those taxes pay for something. Uh, they probably don't have to worry about a lot of things that we do here as far as, um, you know, who knows, education and, and, and medical. I didn't dive that far into it, but that's a lot of tax money to make a lot of people happy. Number two, we've got Denmark at 50, let's call it 56% for their, their income tax and 25% on sales tax across the country. Uh, next up is Switzerland, 40% and uh, a meager 7.7 .7 compared to the other two. Iceland, welcome Iceland at 46.25 uh, and 23% sales tax. And the Netherlands at number five, I only pulled the top five really, um, at almost 50% and 21%. And if you're wondering where the United States falls, we're number 19. So we're in the top 20. Congrats, USA. 37% uh, uh, income tax rate and 0% sales tax. That's because we typically have your local municipalities and your state sales tax, not a US government sales tax. So that's interesting to, to see. What do you think about that, Jay? To make it confusing, the United States has the 37th the top marginal rate, which I'll explain in a minute, but it, you're, not everybody pays that. Yeah. Uh, but it is a scary percentage of that top rate. I think that the challenge I'm not getting political is what do you get for the taxes? Uh -huh. That's that question of happiness. And I don't know that and we state by state do our own thing. So you never know. I mean, uh, you know, I'm here in Mississippi and right now they're fighting to get rid of the income tax for the state and just go get away from it and just do a little bit higher sales tax. Uh -huh. I don't know. And, and possible property tax and, uh, you know, you know, tag tax on your car. Who knows what else? It's got to come from somewhere. The money can't just go away. That's the or, or we can cut the budget and then we don't have to take as many taxes. But that's there a you go. Any politicians out there, feel free to weigh in. Um, so, Jay, what do you think about uh, the uh, income tax and self-employment? What do you want to dive into here? Yeah. So the first thing I want people to think about, um, you, you're going to hear a bunch of like terms and, and most of them are IRS forms. So for the self-employment and the income tax, You'll hear W-2 or 1099. W-2 is, hey, I just get my paycheck. I do my 40 hours. I get my money back. That's that standard employment. Mm -hmm. If you do gig work or if you're a contractor, you get a 1099. The 1099 also can be for um, random things. 1099 for gambling. 1099 for selling on eBay. 1099 for all different types. That's all types of income. If you only have W-2 income, your taxes are very simple. It's, I've got money coming in. I'll show you a chart. We'll work on that. If you got 1099 income coming in, you now are a business. And people don't think about it that way. If I, mm -hmm. if I decide to work for Uber, I am now my own business, yeah. which also means different deductions and different structures and a little more complex taxing. So and possible insurance issues as well. 
Yeah. Because remember, if you're doing Uber, you have to have the right car insurance to go mm-hmm. with that and other things. And then you might be able to write off part of that. And then you, so you have to decide which you are. Um, you know, I run my own business. Uh, so I'm on the small business side. My wife works full time. She's got W2. Uh, our taxes are pretty complex because of that. While others, hey, if you just got a simple W2, you can knock out your taxes in 20 minutes online with a simple form. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a business, you've got to figure that out. And I think what happens is people kind of mix these two. Well, I need deductions. Well, deductions go along with your business in most cases because we're going to talk about the standard deduction and, and back and forth. But you need to like think about it almost as two different brains. The W-2 standard income, that's the one where you're filling out that form saying, Hey, I'm single. I'm married. That's a uh-huh. W-4 form for how much gets taken out. And then you're filling in with it with the IRS. By the way, Cody, here's a quiz question for you. Sure. How much of a refund should you be trying to get each year? I mean, I, I think ideally zero because that means that uh, you paid the correct amount of taxes. If you are getting a refund, that means you've given the government some free money to hang on to and you're going to get it back later. It's, that's why it's really interesting right now to see in social media um, around tax time, people want to complain about how little refund they're getting. And it's like, well, that, that, then you got your taxes pretty well right. Yeah. And, and that's the weird thing. I think it's a money habit thing. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where when the refund hit, we either got to pay bills or we got to do something fun. That was those two. And we kind of like looked forward to the refund. Mm-hmm. But that actually means you mismanage your money across the year. You know, I, with my clients, I try to get them within a couple hundred bucks either way, where they either owe a hundred bucks or they get a refund of a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are just a, if you just have W-2 income, no big deal. Your employer should be doing that math for you and setting that through so that at the end of the year, you're hundred or 200 bucks either way. Mm-hmm. If you underpay the IRS, they'll charge you penalties and fees, which can be pretty considerable. If you overpay the IRS, they just say, here's your money back. Yeah. And last year, I, just, just for me personally, <laughs> I, I, they owed me a little bit, nothing crazy. I filed in March. I didn't get back till August or September uh, because there are still people from last year that haven't gotten their refund back mm-hmm. uh, because it's they got all slow and messed up. And this year, the IRS said, yeah, that's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We, we, we got a letter from the IRS from our previous business. There was some numbers that the IRS is working through from 2019. And uh, this is right now we're in 2020. If you're watching this in the future, this is in 2020. So I'm getting a letter from the IRS from about you know three years ago on something that they're working on. And basically it's because they are that backed up. They are just now getting to 2019. So, yep. yeah. So if you have simple taxes, just a W-2, you can... Go to any of the, the Google free tax services for filing forms. By the way, don't pay if you just got something simple. You know, just just one W-2, you just got just you. No big deal. I'm going to show you how that math works. You can do the form. Also, do not sign up for any, hey, I'm going to give you a refund in advance. Because what mm-hmm. that is, is I'm giving you a loan towards yep. your refund. A high interest loan, more than likely. You got it. <laughs> Bottomer, uh Zero interest, but they have fees, which is the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Um, Now, if you have a small business, you're probably going to want to pay somebody to do that. Uh, But most people can do it because they change the tax laws. And what happened now is the standard deduction is what 75 to 90% of people take. 
And if you have simple, by the way, file it now, because if you wait till March or April, you're not going to hear back from the IRS mm-hmm. until the end of the year. Uh, does that make sense, Cody? Yeah. And they're saying if you can do it digitally, do it digitally versus mailing it in. Because again, the, the, the less paperwork we're sending up there, the better for them. So yeah. better for you because you could get if you are owed money, then you could get it back quicker. Yeah. And nobody really should be sending in paper unless you like have a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the the e-file is the way to go for everything. And most of the free services, what they do, what the free service is doing, by the way, just so you know, is they want you to fill out most of your taxes and they go, well, it's complex because you have two states or mm-hmm. you have a business. Let me charge you my other service. Mm-hmm. So they're giving away that. The IRS actually for a while wanted to just let people do their own form online and just send it in. But um, some of the companies who were making money didn't mm-hmm. think that was a good idea. So, but, and, and that's the slick marketing you see. It's like, we'll do your taxes for free, but the taxes they're talking about are your, usually the, the, the IRS taxes, not your local or state tax, your state taxes. Basically, you have to pay extra for that in a lot of cases, I believe. Yeah. And um, you are right. There are some areas that have local taxes. You know, so some cities have their own. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, the, the state and then you have the Fed. The other thing to look at is uh, depending on their state, you they may have free tax services. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see Vita and a few others. If you're a vet, mom, well, not this group. Um, <laughs> think of some of the other free free services that are out there. Um, they, they'll do them for free. By the way, I don't know why we don't get them for free, but that's a separate of course that's a- well let's talk about that real quick because that that is one of the the gripes that you see a lot in the child free groups is like you know the tax deductions that you know parents receive for their the the, the children the deduction they get for children uh, it's like you know we don't get it we joked about pets earlier um it's like there's no deduction for us like we don't get any tax incentives for you know not having children and you know helping the planet that way or whatever it may be um what are your thoughts on that like yeah so the the actual i was telling cody this i spent probably an hour uh each week just keeping up on tax code and changes and different things and the actual tax code if i actually printed out would be a stack of paper giant and what they've done over the time is they use that to encourage people to do things or not to do things by giving tax breaks so i can get a tax break for having a kid but i could also get a tax break for repairing my whaling ship Potato, potato. I mean, Just what's the difference? Random. <laughs> I'm um, buy a whaling ship now, so I get a tax write-off. <laughs> if you actually Google random tax write-offs, it's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. And what it is is, hey, they had a friend in the government, and the <laughs> now they have a tax break. Um, and by the way, if you actually start reading a lot of that stuff, you'll just get really, really mad because why does oil and gas get a tax break? And what? Yeah. Is, so I hear you. Okay. And the child tax credit last year was pretty big. Um, You know, between the COVID money and the child tax credit for last year, if you had a baby last year and you didn't have a social security number, so you're just claiming them this year, you're getting over five grand. Mm. Well, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the uh, current administration, they gave that money in advance. Is that how it worked out for a lot of parents? Because again, I saw that everyone was griping about you know parents getting X amount per kid. I'm like, but my understanding is like they're getting your your money in advance. So when tax time shows up, they're not going to get this huge refund they've been expecting. It's going to be way less because they've already gotten it. Yeah, just to make it more confusing, they got three hundred to three hundred sixty dollars, three hundred fifty dollars per kid, depending on age. 
Um, and it was a prepaid tax credit. Mm-hmm. So they gave it in advance, but it's actually for this year. Um, the truth is you can complain about tax law all you want. It's all messed up. I'm mm-hmm. interested. In it. it is. It is unfair. It, you know, uh, there are those people that will taxation is theft and all that's your, that's fine. That's your beliefs. Uh, not much we can do about it. You know, and that's the challenge is the days of, well, let me do this deduction. Let me do that deduction is gone. So Cody, if you can bring up the screen, I want to yeah. talk numbers for a minute and we'll, we'll kind of work through some of this. So to make things more confusing, it's where <laughs> the IRS has these tax brackets. And what really confuses people is you see these tax rate, 10, 27, 12, and uh, Cody was talking about that, 37 Well, 37% is only on income you make of over $539,000 a year as a single filer. By the way, uh, one of the challenges here is single versus married. There are some bonuses back and forth, depending on what you're bringing in income. And there can be some bonuses to being married, some penalties to being married, depends on your income. So here's what really gets confusing. The way the government does this is first, and I'm going to use the single filers because over 30% of child-free folks are single. 10%, you get taxed 10% of your first 10,275. Then you get taxed 12% of the next 10,275 to 41,775, and so on and so forth. So what happens, I often hear people, well, I don't want to work overtime because it's going to push me into a new tax bracket. It's that new income is actually only going to be pushed over if it's there. So let's say I made $88,000 a year. So what will happen is, do you see the bracket there of 22%? So I'll pay 10% for the first set, 12% for the second set, 22% for the second set. If it pushes me over to 90000 only that extra, just less than $1,000, is going to get taxed at 24%. So what happens is your paycheck might get a little screwy because HR takes out extra because there's, there are some rules around bonuses and extra pay but also because they think you're making more per year. But in the end, you're going to get that back. And I know that's super confusing, but Cody, did you follow me here? Yeah, it it is super confusing, but it it totally makes sense the way that you lay it out because I I could see people looking at those numbers and I would be one of those people. I would see that as a ceiling. It's like, well, I can't go over this or they're going to give me a whole new tax bracket for all of my money, not a step up and as you're, you're talking about. So um, that's great information to know. So again, love talking about taxes for that very reason. Now, fun one of this one, uh, when we talk about the married folks, um, if you, if you and your spouse both make about the same amount of money, you're actually going to usually be better off filed marrying, filed joint. What happens is if you have like a big income disparity between the two of you, you can actually file married filing separately and that's a separate thing. The software you use should tell you which one is better for you. Um, and in most cases, it's not a huge difference for those without uh, kids. Now, here's the here's the here's what happened in 2022. Um, actually, goes back 2017 Tax Job and Cut Act, Tax Cut and Jobs Act. I got the backwards. They doubled the standard deduction amount. So it used to be this was kind of old school that you'd have to have this pile of receipts and you would have all these deductions. I would do this for this and this, this, and you'd have to like penny nickel and dime everything. 
That changed when they doubled the amount because these at the same time, they put a limit on what's called SALT, state and local taxes. And what happened was, and this is purely, it is a political thing, so I apologize for it. The blue states tended to have higher state and local taxes. So they got hurt by this $10,000 SALT cap. And the standard deduction became what most, if not all people, I mean, it's 75 to 90% somewhere around there take. So if you're single, what happens is you get a deduction of $12,950. So what happens is that person, if I, if I use the example before, where they were made $90,000, they're actually going to get taxed 90,000 minus 12,000. So it's 78. So actually that dollars that you thought were going to go over, is actually going to fall back. And what happened is the days of, well, you know, my mortgage gives me a deduction. It does if you go over this 12,095, but there's now a limit on how much mortgage interest you can uh, deduct and a limit on the tax on the state and local taxes. So the day of, Hey, my mortgage is giving me a tax deduction. Not really true anymore. Uh, because you're taking that standard deduction. It actually benefits those people who rent uh, just as much, if not more. Um, Cody, what are you feeling on standard deduction? I know that's a little weird. Uh, no, it, it, it makes sense because I, I remember having to keep track of if you took something and you donated it to Goodwill or whatever it might be, do you want a receipt? Yes, you want a receipt because you have to itemize and keep track of donations and, and that for the deductions. And yeah, it did. It made it a lot simpler when they said, you know what, just this is X amount everyone's going to get. And uh, unless you're donating a whole lot of stuff, it didn't make much sense to try to keep track of all that anymore. Yep. And for most people, the standard deductions, the way you're going to go. So your taxes are really, I made X amount of money minus the standard deduction done. That's the entire you know, by the way, IRS has to like put it on like two forms and pages of stuff, but that's the entire bottom line um, of it. Now, by the way, there are some quirks about, you know, if you're over 65 or disabled or a few other things uh, that you can put in there, you know, blind and others that'll up your standard deduction. And, and even like medical expenses, it's got to be a large chunk over 7% of your income to mm -hmm. even get in there. So even if you have large medical bills, Chances are you're taking the standard deduction. Um, and what gets weird about this, so we talked about employment, and then we have uh, we have your W-2, and we have 1099, your job. Your 1099 is a business, which is going to have, I have income, and then I have expenses. Those aren't deductions. That's my, you know, I brought in $50,000. I had $25,000 in expenses. I have $25,000 of income in the end. That is separate from this. The other thing that happens as you start working through deductions is you see how changes for married filed jointly and separately and all that. Head of household, we're not going to do because we don't have kids. Mm -hmm. um, but it's simple. When this first came out, they said, well, you'll be able to file your taxes on a postcard. <laughs> sure. Never happened yet. Um, I, I do love people say, IRS already knows all my information. Why do I have to send it to them? That's a good question that... That's the government. I'm not going to answer. Um, but when we talk about the child tax credit, which we were talking about, that's separate from deductions. There are some tax credits there. Uh, you'll see things like the earned income tax credit. If you're very low income, there's a few of those tax credits. 
but most of those you have to fire, you have to fit within a very small box in order for that to fit. We can stop yeah. that chair there, Cody, for a minute. And All right. Let's, so what's your reaction to that, Cody? I mean, I never saw that postcard they were talking about. So uh, I don't, I don't think that was going to happen, but um, yeah, it, it, it just goes on what kind of a soapbox someone wants to get on and rage about taxes, whether it's, you know, being child free and not getting those, you know, juicy tax deductions that people get for kids, you know, um, even people that are, are single and, and married, it's like, you know, why don't I get even that little bit of a tax break? You know, it's, it's always a little bit. And, you know, again, talking about soapboxes, you could say it's, you know, pronatalism, people that want, they want to encourage the nuclear family values to be in place for a long time. So we're basically going to find a way to pay for it on the back end. If you do kind of what we think you should do, that's, that's a whole other episode for another day, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the thing to take out of this is if you just have employment income, don't worry. It, you just pay your taxes at the end of the year. Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, if you have a small business, you've got to keep track of everything. And then we'll also talk about when we talk about some of the retirement plans, there are some things you can do to help on both of those sides. For sure. For sure. So let's dive into capital gains taxes. Okay. So to make more things confusing, Why not? income taxes, that's <laughs> what we just talked about. And then we have these special things called capital gains. Capital gain is, you know, if you think about it, like people often think about the stock market, I invested, I have a difference, I make money. Same on your house. Now the house, interestingly enough, if you own a primary home for two years, you can actually get up to 250 if you're single, 500 if you're married, gain and not pay taxes on it. They're kind of encouraging home ownership. Uh-huh. Everything else you pay capital gains taxes on. We're going to go back to the chart. Uh, we'll share this one here. So what you'll see is for capital gains, it's a much lower percentage. Um, there's three different levels, 0, 15, and 20%. And what this is, is the cutoff. Okay, so if I make less than $83,000 as a couple, I'm going to pay no capital gains tax. Same if I'm um, 41,000 or less on the individual. And as it goes up now, Here's what happens. Bonuses, and this is long-term capital gains. If I've held it for a year, I'm only paying 15%. I'm not paying the 22 or 24 or whatever my income tax bracket is. So it's encouraging you to invest in things. Uh, there are some weird stuff that happens out there. You know, collectibles has its own rate and there's a few other weird things. But it's encouraging you to hold things for more than a year, invest in things over time. Cody? Um, well, in speaking of, uh, you mentioned home ownership before, tell me if this is correct or not, but I heard that if you have a secondary house that you rent out and receive income on that, that if you own that property for, I think it's like 24 years or over 24 years, that when you sell the house, you don't pay capital gains tax. That is that a myth? Is that a, thing? That's, a that's a myth. Okay. Um, so it's only your primary home and it gets kind of funky. You have to have, you have to have lived in it for two out of the last five years. Uh, so if you rented out your primary home for a little bit of time, you're, you could be okay. Um, so there's a technicality on that. Uh, rental property is a business. So mm-hmm. what will happen is if I own a house, I'm going to pay the long-term capital gains on it. But there's some weird stuff with depreciation over time that happens there. Um, so you have to have a plan on that because what you're essentially doing is writing off more and more of the house. So you're actually, 
you know, over time that house, you're saying, look, I've been paid off by it. And then I go sell for a whole lot of money and I get hit on tap capital gains. So yeah, there, and there used to be weird rules like, oh, you had to take the money from your primary house and invest in another primary house. That's gone. So each time you have to look at it when you're making those decisions. And here's one of those funny ones. Um, so I just, somebody on social media was talking about this. They own a house for a year. Uh-huh. Well, then you're paying 15% tax, you know, capital gains most likely if you sell it. So if I sell it a year and 11 months and 22 days, I'm still paying 15%. But after I go two years after I've been living in it, that's my money. So, so these, ha- these house flippers that you see on TV, it's like that, you know, the hot thing, try to flip a house and make tons of money. No problem. Like they fall kind of in that little pit that they're not telling you about. <laughs> well, they, if you sell within a year, that's short-term capital gains, now, mm. which is even different than long-term capital gains and can become income. A lot of the flippers, that is income to them because it's their job. You know, it's a business is what they're doing. But this is where that one year, and by the way, it's technically really one year a day. Okay. So I have to have owned it. You know, if I buy it today, I got to sell it February 23rd, 2023, since we're going to do all the 2222s and 2223s now. <laughs> uh, so I have to have it a year and a day. Uh, to get that long-term capital gains. And, and one of the things that I encourage people, we'll talk a little about this at the end. If you got big things you're moving, ask a tax planner, which would be usually a certified financial planner, first before you make a decision. Because sometimes they are, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa stop. You know, um, and, and actually, I think that's our next tag there, Cody, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure thing. Let's talk about this one, wash sales and day trading. This is, yeah. um, I've now had three people in the past uh, week and a half uh, come out with this. So the Robinhood game is you got that app on Robinhood. You, you, it's now game to do investing. I buy and sell all day long. Well, what happens is if you buy and sell the same stock within 31 days, either way, before or after, so it's actually a 60-day period, they disregard that loss. So if I bought stock A for 100 bucks, sold it for 80 and then bought back in at 90 a week later, I'm not getting that $20 loss. And what happens is this wash sale routine has resulted in, hope you're sitting, Cody, uh, three people somewhere between a half million and over a million dollars in tax bills from day trading. So so if they bought it at 100 and then they sold it at 80 and then rebought it within whatever, a day or two at 90, they don't get the hunt. They don't get the ten dollar deduction or write off like it's a loss. It get yeah. And what happens is the IRS goes, "Yep, you didn't lose anything, and I'm just going to count it like you made that money because you didn't so, hold on to it long enough." For well, because I did it within that wash sale thing. And yeah. here's what happens. You know, so so I might have made, I'm making it up, a hundred thousand dollars on the market. So I profited a hundred thousand dollars, but because of this wash sale, I have a five hundred thousand dollar bill that I owe the IRS. Because you sat there and flipped a stock over and over or multiple stocks, whatever it may be. Wow. If I'm going to be a trader, I actually mm-hmm. need to file a year in advance. You have to tell, you have to tell the IRS, okay, I'm going to start day trading in 2023. And then it gets weird taxed. I'm just going to leave it there. But now I'm not in that wash sale. Okay. So what happened is February 15th is when most of these staff, you know, documents come out saying, hey, this is what you sold. People are getting hundreds of pages of stock documents mm-hmm. and going, I now owe the IRS hundreds of thousands and maybe million dollars. Um, and I'm talking about people 
in their teens and twenties. And so, like, they, they may have made fifty thousand dollars, but they owe three hundred thousand in taxes because of all the the flipping that they did, basically the day trading. And what wow. happened is it was popular because mm -hmm. of social media. Social media, it's like, hey, I'm, look how they showed that the snapshot of their. I saw it, like, and you know, in the Reddit groups and whatever. Here's my snapshot of how much money I've made, but they're not showing when they're buying those the meme the meme stocks. Basically, they were buying and selling like every day, or if it was going up and down or whatever every week. Yeah, and they weren't holding on to it long enough. You're not going to hold on to that for a year because it's yeah. meme stock. It's not meant to be held on for a year. So the answer is you, you don't do day trading. Yeah. Okay. Besides the fact you're gambling, the, the tax stuff on it is just scary. I mean, that is, that is wild. Yeah. What do I do if I, so Cody, if, I, if I'm 28 and now I have a half million dollar IRS bill that I owe, I make, you know, $70,000 a year. I mean, that, that's when you, you, you find those people you see on TV. It's like, you know, the IRS money. It's like, uh, yeah, oh, a lot of money. But again, those are businesses as well. They're going to, they're going to make money on the side. But I mean, it, it seems like that in bankruptcy is like your only option is to get it. Oh, no, no, no. Bankruptcy or... doesn't work for IRS. Oh, man. Okay. So here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to owe that to them. You're going to be paying that back over the next 10 years. Okay. Um, you cannot go, hey, I'm going to go bankrupt. IRS, by the way, when, when you owe that money, they can garnish your paycheck without you even knowing it. They can just send a note to your boss and be like, I'm taking half. <laughs> they don't have to go to court, nothing, because it's part of the system. The other one to keep in mind, uh, just one of those funny and weird things for the U.S., as you're a U.S. citizen, your income is taxed worldwide. Mm -hmm. So people, oh, I'm going to move to. Yeah, yeah. A, ta a tax haven country, but if you still are a U.S. citizen, is that how it works? If you're still a citizen or if you own property in the U.S., I believe you still have to pay the taxes. U.S. citizen or actually some you know, uh, legal residents. There's a whole bunch of other people too. Mm -hmm. um, so people are like, well, I can move to – you could, but not going to get rid of the IRS. They're gonna <laughs> <laughs> They'll chase you down. They'll be waiting for you when the plane lands <laughs> when you have to come back and, and redo your visa or whatever. I mean, the, the truth is for most people, IRS is scarier than it, it than it seems. I mean, I, my wife and I, um, I don't know, four or five years ago, got a got a notice in the mail. The IRS is ordering us. I'm like, oh, what did I do? Like, I mean, I, I'm one of those. I follow the rules exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to pay more than I have to, but I follow it exactly. I'm like, what did I do? And I opened up the letter. And what it was, was some reason I'm not going to figure it out. One of the 1099s for a side gig my wife was doing did not get included in the tax return. Mm -hmm. By the way, Cody, don't get me in a battle on who didn't put that in there because uh, <laughs> you're married. Watch, you know you can't she's win She's going to watch this video. <laughs> um, but it, it was no big deal. Iris, like, pay us $500 or something like that, and we'll go away. And you just write the check, and you go, thank you, go away. Mm -hmm. um, so people worry about the IRS, and I was freaking out. I'm a minute. If you're frauding the government, yeah, you should freak out. You know, mm -hmm. if they catch fraud, they can go back as long as they want because they go, well, you farted this year. How about the year before? And they just keep going. Mm -hmm. So if you see like family or friends going, well, you could write this off. Are you a tax professional? Mm -hmm. I know you've gotten away with that, but for how long? Yeah. And then once they catch you, they can just keep looking until you cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, that's another myth you hear. It's like, oh, you know, after whatever, seven years, I think you can just burn your 
old tax records and get rid of them. You don't have to store them anymore. Having done estate sales in a previous life, I went into a lot of attics and there were a lot of banker boxes for decades of tax returns. And it's like, did they need to hold on to the 1972 tax forms to now? No, I mean, seven years is the, is the standard. Yeah. But if you are committing fraud, they can go back until they, they feel like they've had enough. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, fraud is different. All right. You know, I, everybody knows that, you know, Al Capone got taken down by the IRS. Mm -hmm. You don't mess with the IRS. You want to make sure you've got the right plan in place. You got to have making the right decisions and then just stick within the rules. Yeah. You can't change them. You can't fight them. You can't file for deduction for your dog, even though I'd like to. And my master is pretty expensive, but it just. Yeah. Well, and that's why I love this talk because the numbers you've already shown, like it, it shows you some, some educational purposes of, of learning how the tax structure does work and how, how to understand how you're about to get taxed. Like don't be in fear of the big number. If the big number isn't going to completely affect you altogether. Like, you know, again, the step up process or whatever it may be, or learning the, the, you know, capital gains and holding it for a year and a day, that kind of thing. So all good info in my opinion. Yep. Let's keep going. All right. So next we've got uh, taxable versus tax advantaged accounts. Okay. So when we talked about investing, I said, okay, you must know what you're investing in and where. So let's bring up the slide. You got it. All right. This is a, a simplification, not perfect, but let's just work with it. Um, on how much tax benefit you can get from different things. The bottoms of this is a health savings account. It's called triple tax free. Money going in, you get a discount. You, it comes off your taxes. The money grows tax free. And as long as you use it for medical benefits, it comes out tax free. The bonus of an HSA is you can invest it. Now, an HSA has limits of how much you can invest, it changes each year, and you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan. Now, one of the things I've seen on social media, and I, and, and I feel bad that we're picking on social media, but social media does not do taxes well. It doesn't do a lot of things well. Uh, I didn't <laughs> want to go that far, Cody, but taxes, yeah, don't get tax advice online. Now, as, as we're doing a video online, now, in HSA, you don't want to automatically, hey, I want to be in an insurance plan just to get an HSA. Because that means you're paying a higher deductible on your health insurance to do that. We'll come back in a couple shows from now and talk insurance. But I want you to, you don't want an HSA just to have that tax benefit. Does that make sense, Cody? It, well, it does. And again, one of those things that, that I've heard, it, it, is it true or not that after a certain period of time, the HSA, like you have to use it up within a year or you'll lose it, the use it or lose it type of plan. Is that okay. the case with an HSA? So here's the confusion. An FSA, a flexible spending account, uh, is user to lose it. An HSA, you can have for life. Okay. And here's the funny one on this, by the way, current tax law, we're in 2022, could have changed by the time you watch this tomorrow. In your flying um, car. <laughs> is HSA, like I don't have to take that money out for my medical expenses. Now I could actually reimburse myself years from now. So if I keep track of my medical expenses from 2022 and in 2030, I want to pay myself back for it. That's fine. Um, HSA, you get to keep for most people. What that is, is that's for long-term care, medical expenses, retirement, things like that. 
Um, so that's the difference. So the FSA is use it or lose it. HSA you get for a long time. Does that make sense, Cody? It does. And so like from a child-free standpoint, one of the questions we always hear is who's going to take care of you? And uh, a lot of times this will, um, uh, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're planning on that right now with our finances to be able to take care of ourselves through whatever means possible. So like an HSA may be a good fit for a child person looking into the future of being able to take care of medical expenses that might come down the road. Is that right? Yeah, there, there are some limits. Mm. So just be careful on that. Um, and we'll talk about long-term care in another one, but I just thought I'd throw sure. it out there for your planning on your HSA. I just looked at my numbers. I'm 43 and I plan on long-term care for about the last two, three years of my life. Uh, that's about $2 million of what that's going to cost. Yeah. Because it, it's growing at 5% a year every, until then. It's about $100,000 a year right now. So that's what your HSA is good for. <laughs> on top of like the Medicare donut and other things where you'll have about a quarter million dollars in unreimbursed medical expenses in your retirement. So unless, unless the government throws a future curveball and we all have universal health care that takes care of everything, including. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right. So now what gets weird is there's a double tax free and tax free. Um, you'll hear this Roth versus traditional thing. Roth means I'm paying the taxes now. I get it out tax free when I retire. That, by the way, retire is 59 and a half. There are some weird things on how to get them out earlier, but we're going to stick with the, the simple stuff for now. The traditional 401k or traditional IRA, I pay, the, I get a tax break now, but I pay income taxes later. So the, the old school game of this is, do you think your taxes are going to be higher or lower later? Mm -hmm. But a traditional 401k or IRA also has a thing called a RMD, required minimum distribution. When you hit age 72, they start saying, take that money out because I don't want you to die with it and pass it on to somebody. So what happens is those RMDs can be hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, depending on how much is in there. And guess what? That's going to pop you into that 37, 40% higher tax rates. I, for most of my clients, and, I, and I'm not saying this for everybody else out there, I'm just saying my clients, I'm encouraging them to, to use the Roth unless they have a reason to bring down their taxes this year. Uh -huh. and when I say bring reason, it has to be like to meet a requirement or something. There's some uh, you know, federal assistance, other things, but even then it may not be worth it because here's the thing. If my income is lower now, like say I'm in that 20%, 22%, something like that, I can now pay it to the, I can pay the tax now, put in a Roth, never have to pay tax again and have no RMDs. For child-free folks, I don't know about you, Cody, but I want to die with $100 in my hand, as I keep saying. That's what <laughs> I get buried with. I want to use every penny of my Roth, mm -hmm. and I prefer to have already paid my taxes and never have to pay it again. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've discussed it before in previous episodes. It's it's a matter of, you know, do you want to have this big, uh, you know, amount of money that you're going to bequeath to nonprofits or individuals or whatever it may be, or do you want to, you know, live your best life and be taken care of in old age and not have to worry about such things. And yeah, live and, and die with a hundred bucks in the coffin. And there you go. Yeah. So keep in mind for the Roth IRA, there are income limits um, for, for a traditional IRA, there actually are income limits and there will be, there's difference. And if you have access to a 401k plan at work, if you have for access, it'll change that limit. The 401k actually, uh, if you could stop share for one second there, Cody. Yep. Yep, yep. 
Let me bring up the limits for one second. Of course, I fight in my computer. Are we transitioning to Roth versus traditional? Now, let's just look at I'll okay. just share this screen here. Yep. We, so for 2022, um, you as an employee can put about 20500 into a 401k. And then the employer can put enough to get up to 61000 um, Most people don't get to that point, but that is an option. The other thing you'll see here is 403B plans. 403B plans are very similar to 401k plans, but they're used for nonprofits and some governmental agencies. And a 457 is a deferred comp. The IRA contribution limits um, is really confusing. Look it up and you'll be there. You with me, Cody? I'm here. Yeah, I got you. So we already talked about a little bit about the uh, Roth versus the traditional, but kind of what's your reaction to that? Again, it's it's all in um, I, I maybe going with your gut, doing some research. Like, yeah, it's like, do you, do you want to pay the tax now or do you want to pay the tax later? Like, that's kind of what it boils down to. Like, what you know, look into your crystal ball, I guess. So that's kind of the concept, but... I'll tell you, when I run the numbers out for people, nine times out of 10, doing some of the Roth conversions or starting with a Roth is going to be much better in the long run for child-free folks. Because here's what's happening. Many people, when they look at a 401k, a traditional, they're saying, well, and by the way, you can stop the share on this. Yeah. Um, we had another tag for Roth versus traditional. Um, Boom. <laughs> so on the traditional 401k, part of what people are doing there is they're assuming they're going to give that money to somebody when they die. Uh -huh. And right now, about $12 million is just ignored if you give it to somebody when you die. And that's single person, couple, $24 million and change. So what happens when you pass it on, the tax just poof. Uh -huh. It's IRS magic. Now, that makes a traditional very attractive because I can get a deduction now uh -huh. and I can give it to my heirs uh -huh. and never pay taxes. But if you and I, I yeah. don't have the same interest. No, no, it totally makes sense. Uh, yeah. Especially knowing that the, that the, whatever, unless you're going to give 12 million, 24 million to somebody, if you've got kids and you're a parent, like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Get the, get the benefit right now you're in the dirt or you're dust in the wind. So you don't really care about taxes later, but you know, if it's under that cap, then they're not paying taxes on it. So great deal. But yeah, to think about, you know, for yourself and planning for the future. Um, yeah. To not pay taxes on it when you, especially when they make you, when you have to start pulling it out as well. And plus the gains that you've made on top of that money since then as well. So, yeah. yeah. And to make it more confusing because the Let's government do it. Do it. <laughs> so the other count that we're not showing here is a traditional so, uh, so there's no. So we got Roth traditional, and then we have just a taxable account, just just the standard. If I just invest in a taxable account, that's where I get the long-term capital gains. Traditional 401k, I'm paying income tax. Oh. So the capital gains at that lower rate. The the 401k, I'm starting to pay income because when I'm pulling that out. Uh -huh. So we're now going in between brackets. Now here's the other part of this. Remember I said. For the retirement plan, it's 59 and a half. A lot of child-free folks want to retire way before that. Yeah. Well, if I put it in a taxable account, I can now pull it out. I just paid 15% long-term capital gains. 
and take it out whenever I want. Mm-hmm. So Cody, what do you think about that? Cause uh, you know, okay. You know, if I've got a taxable account, I pay long-term capital gains. I got the 401k I'm paying income tax. I got the Roth I'm paying the tax now. It, I mean, it does seem to be the, the, the trend and the, the desire that I see again on social media where people, they, they, child free people don't, we don't want to work until we're, you know, 50 even like let alone retirement age, like, you know, even 40, like some people are like, I want to retire by the time I'm 40 uh, and not have to work in retirement again means different things to different people. But it, it may just mean like in, in my case, like, Hey, I never want to have to write a resume again. And that's a very freeing feeling that, you know, you, you can uh, you know, you, trust yourself, start a business, um, you know, you work on investments, whatever it may be, but that, that resume is gone. And so for a lot of child-free folks, uh, we don't have to worry about keeping stockpiling money and working away for the future of another person necessarily, like a, you know, a child or, or, you know, an heir, whatever you're wanting to leave your, your money to. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I know some people have probably gone cross-eyed listening to us talk and seeing all the numbers. And so that is a perfect segue into getting help, your tax preparation versus tax planning. Please tell us what's going on. <laughs> so I encourage people, if you've got more than just a standard W-2 to get some help, um, just because, so the investing side, I believe you can learn and it doesn't change that much year to year. Tax, I mean, so last year, just to give you an idea, we are now in December of 2021. Go back in the Wayback Machine two months. And they're debating this backdoor Roth and this tax change and that tax change. All of us financial planners are out there with our clients going, well, if they do this, we should do this. But if they do this, they should do that. Like we're literally having meetings in the last couple of weeks going, hmm, which way is this going to vote go? Because we should change because there's certain dates and deadlines and time where you have to make these decisions. And even for those of us to do it for a living, it was super confusing. And the government does that every year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they change the rules, they do whatever. So one of the things to think about is do you need help with tax planning or tax preparation and submission? Okay, so a little technical on this. Uh, for tax, you know, submitting your taxes to the government, that's where a CPA uh-huh. comes in or a thing called an EA, an enrolled agent. These are people that file taxes all day long. Okay. They're good at it. And right now they're not watching this video because they're busy. Filing <laughs> they're, they're filing them right now. <laughs> I mean, my CPA friends are lose their mind from January 1 to, you know, middle of April. They, you, you never see them. Now, some CPAs do tax planning, but as a whole, they tend to do more of the accounting on the filing side. This certified financial planner is more working on the tax planning side. So, for example, I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner. I don't file taxes for people. I just don't. It's not my thing. But I do the tax planning. So, okay, let's look four years out. And what do we have to do here? And how do we move this? And where does this go? And which account does this go in? And so, for example, if we talk about the people that are retiring early. You need a max of taxable, non-taxable accounts, Roth, traditional, and a plan for I get the money from this this year and I get the money from this this year. And if I pay the taxes now, like for example, um, people doing Roth conversions, they -hmm. could actually pay a lower tax now. Like they retire now at 45 and they're getting no income. They can actually do a conversion, pay that lower percentage and then never pay it again. 
you know, so timing of that and where you do that and how you file it, that's a tax planning component. By the way, tax planning needs to be done before you make a decision. Yeah. You can't be like, <laughs> so last year I screwed up. What do I do? Yeah. Well, last year's gone. It's gone. Uh, that year's over. You know, the no other reviews, no backsies. <laughs> yeah. The other example, this is if you have 1099 income, you're a small business. You can actually have your own solo 401k or SEP IRA or other things where you can actually, this is just weirdo stuff in the tax law. You can put yours, your amount in as the employee, and then you can come back and put money in as employer uh -huh. up to certain percentages and different things. But that has to be done over certain times. Like you have to have the accounts in place by a certain time. You have to file it by a certain time. You have to put all that money in, but you need to, to have that tax plan. What happens is if you don't, people go, well, I just want to pay the least taxes possible. And mm -hmm. I hear this all the time. So they just max out their traditional 401k. Cool. Then when the RMD hits, when you're old and you have to, you know, take out a million dollars out of that 401k and pay 40% tax on that at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you know? they, they, all, the, all the gains, there it goes. <laughs> so what happens is it becomes this balancing act. And I got to tell you, I do a lot of tax planning for people. I still don't get it perfect because it's like, well, what if you do this? And what if you do this? And your amount yeah. was this much of it. You're not going to get it perfect. But what you want to do is have a plan, mm -hmm. not just react. And that's part of the reason that we're doing these talks and we're doing them live. And so people, if, if you're watching this live, um, even when it's archived, you post a comment, post your question, and I'll get with Dr. J. We'll get an answer to you. Uh, but that's why we're doing this is so you can get some, you know, just some basic information. Jay can't get too uh, in depth with it in a lot of cases. But, you know, basic question, ask him. Yeah, you know, he knows his stuff. So let's and, and on that note, um, just before we even started doing this, we were we were chatting and you had an idea. You want to let folks okay. know what you're thinking? This one's a little crazy, Cody. So um <laughs> But it fits. I mean, what are we on? Like episode like six? I don't wow. know. Is, is this five or is this five, six? Five, six. I don't know. I'm <laughs> um, Cody and I always talk about these weird ideas. And what We're on five. This? this is five. <laughs> All right. So here's the idea. I wonder if one or two people might be interested for next week when we do this to do a live financial coaching session. Now, by educational purposes only. And don't ask me, well, should I invest in this stock? No, that's yeah. not what we're going to do. We're going to talk about your overall financial plan and where you are, your goals, how you're headed towards child-free wealth. But if you're willing to open up and do it publicly, you get a free hour uh, of people diving in and helping you out. Now, um, Cody, you had an email address for that one. I do. Yeah, let me uh, – so we've got info at childfreefamily.com. So email me there. Uh, and uh, as a subject head, just put, um, you know, uh, child-free finances, and I'll, I'll definitely see that. Yeah, and the bonus of that is, A, you'll get a good dive into you, mm -hmm. and B, you'll be helping others. Because the truth is, we're all the same. Um, you know, we all have good and bad finances. You know, it's not necessarily one's better than the other, but it's an opportunity. Um We'll see. I don't know if anyone's going to volunteer. Well, I know. Well, and, and like you said, it could be helpful to someone else. Uh, there's people that might have a, a slightly parallel situation where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm working in a similar field or job where I have a similar pay scale or bonus plan or whatever it may be, retirement structure. And you just sharing your information, be willing to let people see it. You can you could help. I mean, going into the future, you could help 
hundreds and hundreds of people. Like who knows? And so uh, kind of pay it forward, get get some uh, some good fun advice from Jay. He'll he'll, uh, he'll we'll have fun with it. I mean, it, it's 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 going to be educational. It's going to hopefully help you. And so if we if we can get a couple of folks to do that live, um, let's do it. I think it'd, it'd be, be fun. fun. Yeah, I think me. so. And so, uh, Jay, fill us in again on what you've got going on with your uh, your site and your book that you're working on. Or books, actually. You have two of them. Yeah, for those uh, for anyone who doesn't want to do their finances in front of it, the world, <laughs> childfreewealth.com is my website. You can actually get a no-cost meeting with me just to get to know each other and see if it makes sense. Um, I am a advice-only field financial planner, so that is an option. But my focus is on child-free folks. And to do that, I'm studying child-free folks. So I've got, I don't know, a couple hundred responses now of what does child-free wealth look like to people? And if you want to be part of it, I'm actually working on now, as Cody uh, spilled the beans there, two books on child-free <laughs> wealth. And it's childfreewealth.com slash book. And that's really hard to spell, B-O-O-K. I'm joking. Uh, U.S. only, unfortunately, right now. I got a survey and I have interviews. And I've also been sharing on childfreewealth.com what I call portraits which are pictures of people's child-free life. I shared one I call portrait of strength and then one that was a portrait of struggle. You know, the difference between people that have a bunch of money as child-free and the people that are barely making ends meet. And what I realized was having examples of people's lives helps people. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to end up with actually two books. One is on child-free wealth, what that means, but the other one's going to be what I'm going to call portraits of child-free wealth. Just all different stories of people's child-free life because I think that helps. That's also why we're trying to encourage somebody to come on here and uh, dive in deep. So So with that being said, uh, that will hopefully be the topic for next week. We'll we'll hopefully have one or two people here and we can, uh, yeah, we can, we can talk about their situation and, and maybe the next steps they should be looking forward to doing and just setting them up for success. I mean, that's going to be really the goal. It's like, we want to put people on the right path and help them out. And if you're in the audience, you know, comments, questions, always welcome. Um, So as usual, Dr. J, thank you for your time and your thoughts and your opinions and everything. We appreciate it. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? I hope you can wake up now that you've talked about tax for long enough, (laughs) but uh, have a great night. All right, guys. See you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.